Welcome to The Run. This is episode 24. Thanks to the gang at Creative Ground. Stop by and grab a hot beverage and a treat. Jerry Green is with me as always. Jerry, good day. Yeah, I always like 24, Patty. You can get a two, two 12s, make 24. I always like 24. Jesus, nice math. All right. And we have uh, Chris Owens all the way from St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. How about that, Jerry? How about that for an introduction? Is that your introduction for That, is, that was that not my introduction. It? I'm going to get to that. Do you okay. want to do that, or am I going to do it? No, you're doing it. All right, 213 games in the Maritime Hockey League. 60 goals, folks, 198 assists, 258 points as a defenseman in 213 games. That is 1.21 points per game. How's that for stat nerdery, Jerry? Okay, and then what did he do? And then off to Acadia University for a stellar CIS career and then to the pro ranks. We're going to get to all that. Relax. Okay. Well, he was all Canadian, don't you remember? Always good to see and hear from old friends again. Chris Owens, all the way from St. John's. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> hey, boys. How's it going? Very good. Yourself? Oh, you know, not too bad. Just sitting back, enjoying the old COVID lockdown. Hey, Chris. Glad to, nice to hear your voice. It's, uh, it's been a while. Certainly has been. All right, Chris. So you referenced COVID lockdown. We've been watching from afar here on the old uh, news uh, networks. Uh, man, you guys are in uh, tough shape over there right now. Yeah, we are. Um crazy we just uh we went we got actually i think we just had it too easy for so long it was like six seven months with kind of nothing on the go and then all of a sudden bam covid's back baby and for all intents and purposes everything except for essential services if i read my news right today everything is kind of shut down locked down and don't leave the house type of stuff yeah it really went back to back to square one and uh so yeah essentially everything i mean you can can go to groceries and stuff like that but uh yeah, for the most part, everyone's at home. Wow, Chris, was it as much was it as much as um, uh, freewheeling in in the province as in having uh, sporting events and and tournaments and things like that? Were were you, were you guys that pure? Oh, she was wide open there for a while. Um, I mean, it wasn't um, anything kind of, I guess, government regulated was kind of toned down a little bit. Like say the minor hockey and stuff. I think it was all like Hockey Canada where they had, like, instead of 15 players on a team, there was, like, 10. And they were kind of – the city-owned rinks were kind of shut down a bit. But, but for the most part, like, um, you know, you can go play men's league, you can go, you can go to the gym, you can kind of – everything was pretty pretty much normal. Um, the restaurants and stuff kind of cut down capacity. Uh, plus, you know, I mean, it got pretty normal there for, for quite some time. That's cr- uh, Patty, that's kind of like our yellow stage of what we were before – uh, the rest of the province started mm. to go downhill a little bit, and we got pushed back to orange. But you know, we were running, we were running in a, in a good state for a long time too. All right, let's do a deep dive on all things, uh, Chris Owens here. Uh, Chris, uh, let's uh, start on square one here. When you were a younger man and moved to Miramichi for uh, some uh, hockey time here in Miramichi with the Miramichi Timberwolves, uh, your initial uh, reaction when you landed here? What you think of the place? Honestly, uh, Patty, like after now it's been, you know, I was at it for, you know, 15 years essentially. And, you know, Miramichi was kind of my first stop and it was like kind of the first place where I was like, geez, like never really heard much about it. Like mm-hmm. didn't know what to expect, small town and, you know, got there, loved it, uh, moved on another small town, loved it. And then it just kind of kept going and it was, you know, originally I didn't, again, I didn't know what to expect. I just kind of went in there like wide-eyed, wide eyes, and kind of, yeah, took it all in. 
And as far as the on-ice action, Owens, you were right out of the gate as a rookie with 36 points in your 53 games in that first year. Then it was 53. Then it was 77 in that full-on year where you busted out 92 points, and we'll do a deep dive on that as we progress here. But, uh, hey, you put up some great numbers during your time here and played with some great fellas. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I loved it. I mean, and a part of that, like, kind of my success came from who was around me as well, like good coaches, a lot of great guys, like just kind of the whole community was awesome. Well, refresh me on that. As far as coaches, you were on the tail end of the Riley years and then the McGuigan years. Am I right in saying that? I uh, yeah, and had Paul Curry smacked right in the middle of them. Oh, I forgot about the Curry season. Very good. Yes. So I had Riley for a year, and then I had Curry for a year, and then an old Billy for two. Oh wow, that's the holy trinity right there. <laughs> who was the coach? Uh, who was the coach at Acadia when you were there? Burnsy, Darren Burns. Mm-hmm. And, Chris, we have this discussion all the time um, when we talk hockey on this show that um, uh, about some uh, great young defensemen that currently exist in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, if not the NHL, that were uh, or are, you, you know, the size you were when you played uh, Junior A and when you played at Acadia. Do you, do you think of, of – was that a different time when scouts were looking for different size defensemen, or why do you think we always thought why why wasn't Chris Owens ever ever recognized or or ever discovered to move on to to the queue and if it, even something else other than that? Do you, do you do you think they were looking for something different back then than the size you were and the skills that you brought? The honest is a question that I kind of asked myself for a while until I kind of started thinking like you know what it doesn't doesn't matter like the route I took like you know because I went to I mean yes I didn't really get to play much in the queue but then like I went to university I had a full scholarship there it was the same as what guys from the queue were getting like mm-hmm. you know and then I excelled there as well so it's kind of at the beginning when I was definitely like 18 19 I was kind of like you know what more do I got to do here mm-hmm. but then as I got a bit old like you know as I was 21 22 23 I was kind of like you know what it doesn't even matter at this point it was a good league, and even though, yes, uh, uh, Chris never got recognized in the queue, he was still, uh, uh, you know, cutting his teeth in junior A and obviously got recognized by Acadia and how that's changed his life. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was, yeah, and again, it was, you know, and both places were awesome for me. And, like, you know, like who knows if I had to move on, say, if I had to go to the queue and didn't work out like I might not have made it to Acadia and then it might have been a whole different story right mm. but I'm kind of glad the way it all you know at the time yes when I'm younger I'm like oh geez I just want to you know play for the Teton or the Mooseheads or something but like after when it kind of everything still kind of fell in place you just kind of go to the show like you know regardless if you just kind of keep working like at one day it's probably going to work out. Uh, Chris, uh, I'm going to jump in here. The the other topic of conversation that Jerry and I have gotten into over the years as time has gone on, and the Timberwolves are now, uh, what, Jerry, in our 21st season. Uh, we've already referenced yourself, but a scout I'm not, a rink rat I am. But, again, I, I, I don't understand how you never got that shot. And the other one is uh, Andre Gill. I mean, Andre Gill had a pro shot as far as I was concerned when he was here, could score from anywhere and could skate like a son of a gun. How you and him missed is – is beyond me. Do you wish maybe you were 18 again and had another shot or it doesn't matter as time has gone on? Yeah, at times I, I do like, cause it's always like a question that I always like at down the road, like at, since that, like, I mean, still in the past now, but since that time, it was always kind of, kind of got sick asking, answering that question. Like, Oh, why didn't you play major junior? Why mm-hmm. didn't you? And it was, and it was just like one that I was just kind of like, 
you know, after a while, I just kind of got a little fed up with it. I'm just like, you know, it just didn't work out. And I still ended up in the same place as the majority of them and, you know, and did all right there. All right, I'm going to go a long way around and make a, a point here and allow me some room here. Um, twofold question. 1A, we'll call it. How big of a step is it into the CIS? And secondly, did the Maritime Hockey League prepare you for said step into the CIS? It's a huge step. It's it's a different game. It's a like the the Maritime League prepared me, although it kind of like, and I'm not like not trying to pump my own ties. Oh, no, go ahead. But like by able by being able to make that step so cleanly, I'd, I'd put it. It kind of mm-hmm. really showed where I should have been before. It's just kind of you, you'll get. It's just a big bigger physical game um a lot of skill there like i mean one year i, I believe we had six seven major junior captains on our team oh my. and it's just kind of like the aus is is a, is a top league right in canada yeah listen 258 points in 213 games you go ahead and pump your tires all you want to you're okay by <laughs> you're okay with us <laughs> listen the, the one thing uh, jerry and I, I i don't know if you were there a few years ago I, I, cis is not something i see often i did see one of your playoff games at the uh, levesque arena with acadian u to m but jerry do you remember a few years ago uh, st thomas and st of x had a preseason exhibition game called it you wanted the lba and well first of all the lba is a smaller surface so we all know that but I couldn't believe how quick that game was. My head was just on a swivel down there in the uh, booth with my microphone in the hand trying to keep up with the play. It was ridiculous fast. Well, that's the difference between um, uh, watching in the stands and being at ice level, Patty. And it's always the case, be it major, junior, indoor, uh, even a you know, uh, NHL game went to recently, and I never sat down on the ice service. And I don't know how the goalie stops a puck or the referee sees anything that's going on because everything's happening so fast. You mm. get down to the lower level – and watch the, how quickly the game works, be it a practice or a game. These guys are moving. When you get up higher, it just doesn't look as fast because of the, the vastness of what you're seeing. But when you're down on that ice surface, uh, it, it is moving quickly, and, and uh, it's appreciated. The one thing I'll throw in there, too, and it's kind of, you know, you might not notice as much, but as I move down to different levels, like the AUS, is fucking prison rules out there, too. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. like... It's, it's like anything goes right i went that like and that you know the east coast is kind of known as like a tougher kind of you know at times it'll be called like a goonish league or yep. whatever and i would go back there and first time i got a puck dumped in my corner i was like jesus this is nice kind of <laughs> being not being in saint effects arena getting ran from behind every night like, and it's just kind of yep. like and it was just refreshing it was uh you know i was like jesus i thought they played hockey like this everywhere yeah on this uh, podcast, Chris, we like to talk about stuff we like and don't like, and uh, you've seen a lot of rinks. And let's let's talk about specifically in the Maritimes a rink that you didn't like and a rink you really enjoyed that you always thought you had a good game in, Ooh. and rinks that you never had a good game. In. I like that question. Go ahead. <laughs> That's creative. I like it too. <laughs> um, Maritime League, I would say, I hated going up to Camelton, and it wasn't so much the rink; it was just such a boring time up there the team like the whole time i was there their team was motley yeah and it was just kind of you drive up there two hours there was 12 people in the stands and mm-hmm. it was just it was just a miserable evening mm-hmm. um, absolutely but, yeah. and, and a bigger ice but, surface too yeah and it was bigger and then i kind of as i went on i kind of got playing on the bigger ice surface as well after that so it kind of got like you know that kind of wasn't always the thing um and then in the aus the worst rink for me. Please say Levesque. 
No, it was all right because the fans, there was a few fans kicking around. You know, Moncton were always pretty competitive too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but like going to play Dow at the Forum. Actually, no, sorry, Dow's old rink. Right. Before, um, I forget what it was called, but they did have a rink. And right. then they went to them and you both playing at the Forum. Yeah. But that rink, that was, that was a tough time. Well, there's always, you know, uh, uh, players will talk about the uh, ice itself in some places is better than others. And Patty, you've heard this about the Edmonton Oilers. Their rink always supposedly had the hardest ice and it was the greatest place to play. Mm-hmm. Chris, any, anything that jumps to your mind in regards to a rink that that uh, that uh, had the best facilities? Um, I found uh, like kind of like the more modern, newer, like not not as much newer, but like the rinks that are like hold more people even like so when when we were there like kind of like in summerside when they built that new place like i mean it's not very new anymore i found the rink the ice a little soft and like in umb at times and then you kind of get in these other like colder rinks i guess and it used to seem like the ice was a little bit better but then as you go on like then i went and played like in the coast and stuff like that you'll get kind of a lot of warmer rinks and then you kind of really notice it you're like geez it's pretty soft out here I yeah, have... Chris, I always found it fascinating that, you know, um, and this would happen in Moncton a lot um, back in the day where they played in the old Coliseum where the Wildcats would be playing a, I don't know, let's say a September game or let's say a late March game, and it's 70 degrees in the in the building. How did you or did you have to play in buildings that had a kind of a room temperature and did it obviously, I think any hockey player prefers to play in a cold rink. Is that true? Yeah, I would say for the most part. Um, I found the the biggest thing, like, and, and like everyone, every equipment manager I had, like, say, Miramichi, they were all great. But as you get kind of indifferent, like, I found the skate sharpening was huge. Hmm. So I, when I was, like, started playing in in the coast is when I first noticed that we had, sure, in, in Acadia, I had my D partner sharpening my skates a lot of nights. But um, in <laughs> in the coast, the guy was, like, you know, kind of adjusted per rink. Like, so like, you know, your skates are kind of perfect. So it didn't really make a huge difference. I didn't find. Wow. Listen, this is probably an unfair question, but let's uh, take Chris Owens, the hockey player out of the equation here and following along the trajectory of junior a major junior and CIS. If you lived in a town where you could see all three games, be it junior a major junior or CIS, and you had 20 bucks and had to see one game a week, which one are you going to? Uh, well, it's, it's a, I mean, for the actual game itself, yes. you're probably going CIS. Really? Okay. But um, and that, but every everyone has, it's different. Like you know, you go. I would love even when I was playing CIS, I'd like Ehlers and McKinnon and those guys were in with the Moosehead, so right. I'd like love to get in and see those stars play. And, and then Junior A too, and Junior A kind of brings back a lot of memories. But it's a different game too. It's like a feistier kind of grittier game and. You know, and I, I honestly, I'd like to check them all out again. It's been a while. I haven't seen a junior A game in, Jesus, years. <laughs> Chris, uh, kind of interested in your thoughts on this as uh, Jerry asked you the question of the arenas. I have zero good memories, and I mean literally zero uh, good memories because they haunted us in the infancy of our program. They haunted us while you were here, and they continue to haunt us to this day. I have no good memories of Summerside whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, me either. I know. That's funny. Uh, the other night I was just sitting here, and then, like and I haven't talked to Billy in a while, and then next thing you know, my phone rings. Sure, it is Billy McGuigan. <laughs> like I looked at it first, and I was like, "What in the name of God is he calling for?" Yeah. Um, and then uh, so I uh, he gets on the phone, and then he's just like, uh, "Sorry, he's like, oh, I'm here with a couple newfies, and it's like he's there in Valley Wildcats are in um, 
in Summerside, so right. Croft, and then another young fella, Pedal, yes. is Billy's coach or something, and uh, you know, I just started shooting the shit and just kind of dug it, brought back some good memories. Well, just a, a bad memory that I, and I'm pretty sure it was Chris. I think it was your last year, Chris. We were in the playoffs against Thunderside. Oh, don't bring it up. Don't you, oh, get, yeah. don't you get hit from, from behind near the blue line? And do you remember that? And what, oh. you know, after that was all said and done. Um, it did, was Johnson, did, too, was it not? Of, yeah, I believe it was. Did that injury affect you for months after? Or can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, no, I can remember exactly that <laughs> night. Um, that, that was, um, yeah, at the time, yeah, it was Will Johnson, and um, you know, just kind of, you know, he was a big, he was a beast at the time too. Yes. Like, you know, I'd met him, I, I had known him a little bit too at the time, and known him after. Like, great guy. I actually ended up playing down uh, in in Kansas City. I was playing with his brother for a year, but um, yeah, Ross Johnson hit me that night, and I kind of ended up going to hospital in Summerside. Nathan McQuaid and his mom took me there. Um, at the at the time, I was a little kind of banged up, but it wasn't. Um, I, I would say it was probably my first concussion, first recorded one, anyways. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I kind of it was right in the middle of playoffs. I think mm-hmm. it was probably around like game yeah. three or four. Mm-hmm. I ended up missing like game five and six, mm-hmm. and then game seven. I was kind of like, you know, I was feeling good for a few days, so like, yeah. And, and I'll never forget this because my parents. Um, you know, they were sitting home in Newfoundland and they were like, like all worried, like just, mm-hmm. you know, and not that this is something you should do, but anyways, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to head to the rink now. And like never told them I was playing game seven. Right. And just <laughs> went there and laced them up. And, well, you know, Chris, they might've, they might, they might've heard, I, I was pretty sure I was doing the radio that night and I, and I was, I was, I came unhinged with the, the hit and uh, yeah. uh, the lack of respect and all that that goes along with it. I think anytime anybody gets hit from behind, and again, it can be a bang bang play. But uh, you're a bit listening to that, so maybe they were somewhat worried from from the way I was reacting. Yeah, no, definitely, absolutely. Especially then, it was like my first couple of years. Like after that, like when I was gone for a while, they, I guess they kind of got used to it. But it was kind of the first big one, I guess, where they're like, Jesus, like my boy, all right. Mm. Yes. All right, you referenced the East Coast Hockey League. We'll get to that in a few seconds. Let's go back to Acadia for a, a, a few moments. Um, dispel the myth here, too, Chris. Uh, there are some people that think athletes get a get a free pass, but you're accountable in the classroom, are you not? Oh, absolutely. Is um, you know, Acadia's a small school, and it's like recognizable. Like you know, it's known as a good school. So you, mm-hmm. I mean, you get a couple teachers that you know well, and they're kind of you know pushing for you a little bit, but still, there's no free passes. Definitely not. And when it comes to hockey season, uh, and this is maybe a stupid question, I apologize if I embarrass myself in front of both of you gentlemen, but but if you're committed to Acadia, do you have a spot every year, or when it comes uh, uh, training camp time, are you fighting for your position every year? Um, no, you're you're fighting for it. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. like it kind of it all depends, right? It's kind of, I mean, typically it's the same with any team, whether it's you know junior, pro, university. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're one of the top guys are in the top half, like, you know, your spot's pretty safe, but like, there's always like, you know, if you're the fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman or the 10th, 11th, 12th forward, then the, your job's definitely up for grads every year. Also on this show, we like to, uh, we did a whole show, Chris, on uh, road trips, hotels, meals, <laughs> you know, stuff we remembered from, 
from uh, being uh, on the road with the teams? And and uh, is there any 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 particular uh, road trip? No, I don't care what league it was in or a memorable trip or trips that you might have had as as a hockey player that you'll never forget. I tell you one thing, I'll never forget playing in the Maritimes is fucking pizza delight. <laughs> I ate at every I ate at every pizza delight joint in. Nova Scotia and Brunswick and PEI about eight times each, eight times too many. <laughs> what was your go-to? Uh, well, well, you start off, right, especially the younger years here, you know, you're going and you're getting past uh, maybe a slice of bread, but by, by my third and fourth year university, you're just going and crushing half and Zaha and <laughs> <laughs> throwing the gear on, let's go. Now, listen, Chris, let's uh, look at downtown uh, St. John's right now, of course, home to the uh, Growlers. Still a vibrant junior B hockey league over there. What's the hockey scene like in uh, your neck of the woods? Well, the Growlers is actually a pretty big success here. I'm actually looking outside my patio now. It's right next, I'm right next to uh, Mile 1 where they play. But, the uh, yeah, the Growlers have been a huge success. Um, and then the junior B league is kind of just kind of got up and running a couple weeks ago. I mean, I haven't seen much of that in recent years, but. You know, it's still going. The senior league didn't get back uh, up and running because of COVID, but other than that. So are you, and I hasten to ask this question, but COVID kind of ruined your year last year overseas. We'll get to that in a second. But are, are you in a state of retirement, or if the if there was a league to go play in right now, you're you're back into hockey mode? No, I don't. I think I'm kind of in the state of retirement. So mm-hmm. I'll kind of bring, like, so it was. It was definitely, like, and I know, I guess you're kind of thinking, like, Growlers, East Coast, hometown. Sure. And, yeah, it, it definitely crossed my mind. Um, when they first came, I probably, like, I had an opportunity, and it was kind of, I was kind of, like, you know, like, I've been there. Like, it was the coast, right? And it was at a point where I was kind of, I was starting to, like, make a few bucks, nothing crazy still, but it was still more than was offered there. So I kind of uh-huh. decided to stay in Europe. I wasn't really ready to kind of shut her down yet. And then last year, in um last year i was in uh germany at the start of the year uh, or well yep. until about this time and then i had an opportunity to either come home here and play for the growlers or go uh to slovakia in the top league and play there on a mm-hmm. top team and again um it was a little bit more money to go there at the time so i was kind of like thinking but in the back of my head i was like you know what the whole time like i'm like okay i definitely want to play in the growlers so i wanted to keep the conversation and, that, and then it was like, okay, so I'll go here, finish out in Slovakia, then I'll go home and have a full season there, and then kind of see. So I, I had been, so I kind of told the coach, like, you know, I didn't, I want to stay over there now, but like, I'm definitely interested in next year. And so we were in contact kind of all summer, and then, um, yeah, the COVID kind of did that in. There's a lot of uh, Chris. Uh, I've looked through the lineup of the Growlers. There's a lot of former Q and, and junior A players that uh, play with the Growlers right now. They've gone home to play. Yeah, there's like, I mean, uh, James Melinda jumps to my mind. Yeah, James Melinda. Yeah, so he's the captain here, and then Zach O'Brien. I don't. O'Brien. Yeah, he had hundred points with the Teton there. Yep. One or two years, maybe. Chris Marcus if Powers, I, another guy. Yeah, go ahead. If, if I can interrupt, uh, you know the uh, Zach O'Brien, the Zach O'Brien story that's infamous. In his four years in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, he never took a penalty until he got a minor penalty. I was at the game. He mm-hmm. took a minor penalty. He was in Bathurst, took a minor penalty, I think in maybe his fifth last game of regular season and ruined a perfect record. But he never, ever got a penalty minute. Yeah, it's crazy. And I know Zach well. Skated with him a lot over the years. And it's kind of, it's kind of 
I was always an odd one. Like I, I kind of knew at the time I wasn't really as close to them. Like when he was in the queue, it was more so after, but uh, didn't really like because he is kind. He's still a little bit like you know he's a skilled guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, but he's still like he's he is a little feisty, right? He's not like a complete, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a complete perimeter guy. Look, at, I was an avid Acadie Bathurst Teton fan uh, because I had to be when I was working at the radio stations. Of course, you always kept an eye on them. And look at Jerry, you jumped in here uh, for a couple of years and uh, O'Brien's tenure up in Bathurst. He was the only Jesus reason for picking a ticket and showing up because they were they were down and out in those years. Yeah, that's just uh, major junior life. One year your your uh, team is really good. The next couple of years you're going to suffer, and that 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 goes on all the time. But uh, uh, he was uh, yes, he was. Um, I thought I don't think he he didn't play his whole career in Bathurst, did he? He was drafted to Moncton, right? Yes, and then and then I don't think he and then he ended up traded to Bath. Like he came back, yeah. He came back and played midget when he was like eight, his like grade twelve year, and then right. um, ended up getting traded to uh, Bathurst. That comes back to me now, Chris. That's absolutely right. That is what happened. And uh, I just thought he'd been somewhere else. But, yes, I remember the Wildcats did have him and sent him back to Midget. He didn't make it at a training camp, right? And credit where credit is due, Jerry. Good pull on that uh, stat there. You hauled that one out of the air with only one penalty. That's foolish. Well, how can you forget that? That's just something you just never forget. It's, uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's you know, it'll. I don't think it'll ever be repeated. And, it, and like Chris said, he, he wasn't. He wasn't a perimeter guy. He he'd get mixed up in everything and, and like everybody else, but just was careful with his stick and you know checked hard and did all those other things. It just never got a penalty, and, and it seemed very odd. I uh, let me think. Uh, I thought I could remember the referee's name at the time, and it just seemed like he was going to go down in infamy too because he was the only guy that ever called a penalty on Zach <laughs> All right, Chris, uh, the floor is yours for a few minutes. Take all the time. Uh, so five years at Acadia, you had a great run, uh, both academically. You have a degree in your back pocket, which is perfect. From there, take us through uh, the next handful of years uh, in uh, your hockey life. Yeah, so, you know, Acadia was awesome. Loved it there. Um, you know, it's a great spot for anyone thinking about going to university down that way. You know, I really enjoyed everything about it. And then from then, you know, it was always in, like once I left Miramichi, it was always kind of even going to Acadia. I was going there more so at the time to play hockey. Like it was kind of like, you know, I was driven at that time. I just wanted to play. I wanted to play more. I wanted to play pro. And then so after when I got the opportunity, I ended up, um, well, originally first I went after my fourth year, I got an opportunity to try out for the ice caps in you know, my hometown. And, uh, you know, it went uh, well, it went as good as can be i guess at that time but again we talked about the jump from junior a to cis Mm -hmm. like the the jump from cis to the american league is just a whole uh whole different ball game so listen Um, i didn't know that little factoid let's focus on that for a second i'm going to jump back in they would have been jerry you're going to get jazzed up here they would have been a farm team of winnipeg at the time winnipeg at the time yeah Mm -hmm. holy shit jerry you're a jets guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that year who was there connor hellbuck was there Ben Chirac. Oh. Wow. Um, Jason Jaffe, he was an older guy. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple. Uh, I'm trying to think of the young guys. Uh, Morsi wasn't there at the time I was there because he was still up. Um, Cormier? Cormier had just left. Okay, very good. Um, he had just left, so he wasn't there. Um, but, yeah, no, that was an experience, too. Um, but it was different. It was kind of like, you know, I went in, I trained my ass off, and I was like, you know tell myself the whole summer I was like geez like I'm gonna make this team or whatever just gave my pro guys and 
get down there and and it went fine like it, it was good but it was just kind of like you could tell like still a step behind like not like I, I did good in all the conditioning and all that stuff and I could keep up but it was just you know it was a different different mm-hmm. pace a level that I wasn't really kind of adjusted for and I think if I had like um, a couple weeks I think I probably could have been able to you know that's kind of what there. it takes yeah. sometimes yeah um, but then you know in the pro life it's kind of you know you know you're either there or you're not there's no uh you don't really get that little window, right? Unless you're a high draft pick or highly touted player. Definitely not a 25-year-old 20, coming from CIS. But uh, they were great to me. And, um, you know, it just kind of was what it was. It wasn't good enough at the time. Yeah, but Chris, you know, um, well, I'm, I haven't seen, you, haven't seen you play in a while, but I knew your, your skating was one of your strong suits. And when you say you were a step behind, are you, are you talking physically a step behind or mentally – you know, it's that, more it's so not, that you're not processing quick enough. Yeah, it's more so not like it, skating in a straight line or doing anything. No, I wasn't a step behind, but it's kind of like piecing it all together as you move yeah. up in levels. Like that's the biggest, the biggest thing is not being able like you can, like you know, right now if I skated with the the junior player, a 20 year old, say of myself, like I'd be, you know, it'd be fairly the same. Like and even like with all pro, but it's just kind of like as the levels rise you have to be able to like skate faster think faster do everything just that much faster yeah. so it's not so much the the actual speed it's just the speed of the game and like, every coach will always say like the puck moves faster right and it's just that's just how it is like it's kind of being able like you don't have as much time to, to react all right from the ice caps to where then I went down, so this is kind of a little blip, but I went down to the Ontario Rain in uh, California. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, spent, well, I got to rewind a little bit. So before the ice cast, I went to back to Acadia because there wasn't much ice or any good skates here. So I went to Acadia for two weeks and skated there. And while I was there, Burns was like, you know what? Like, and I was already graduated at this point. But, you know, I was like, okay, why not? But he's like, you know, uh, you should just uh, register for school just in case, you know, if, and so I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And you can sign me up, but like, you know, I'm not going to go to school again. Like I graduated, <laughs> I had no reason. <laughs> so, and then I went down to Ontario on the coast and it was, I had like this coach um, and he was an asshole. Like, it was like, I talked to him on the phone. He was just so full of shit. Like from the moment I talked to him on the phone to like, at like always, and it kind of followed him and he's, out of the game now, I believe, but it was just kind of, he was one of those guys that you kind of hear about, like, you know, when you hear the horror stories of the coach, like he's like one of those guys. Anyways, and it was kind of, but still mm-hmm. kind of at this point, I didn't know the pro games well, so I guess I was a little mentally weak and uh, got there and it was like kind of first game, like didn't play or whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck this, I'm going back to school. And then mm-hmm. I was in Alaska that weekend and flew back. And then I was just like, all right, uh, I didn't play a game, so I'm going to bounce. You fly from California to Alaska to be a healthy scratch. Fuck that. Oh, yeah. Uh, spent, <laughs> yeah, so it was even to get there, man. Getting to California from Newfoundland at the time because it was like ice oh. gas and then down there. Mm-hmm. I believe I went Halifax, Calgary, Seattle maybe, and then Palm Springs. Now, getting off the plane in Palm Springs for a young Newfie, you're kind of like, holy Jesus, like what is yeah. it? Palm trees everywhere. It was kind of – it was really cool. <laughs> But, um, you know, at the end of it, I was just kind of like, at that time, I don't know, I feel I should have been more ready, I guess. But at that time, I was just like, you know, this is not what I need right now. And 
anyways, went back to school, and then um, that in that fifth year, we ended up making the nationals again. And like the like the week before nationals, this same coach calls me. He's like, "Oh, you ready to come back now?" I was like, "Yeah, well, I'll come back, but we're uh, finishing the tournament, or like you know, we're playing nationals this weekend, and then after yeah. that, I'm good to go." Um, so he's like, "Okay, perfect. Yeah, looking forward to having you." So finish finish the game or whatever. We get, we get knocked out against UQTR. Right. I don't know if it was that day or the next day. Get a call from this clown, and he's just like, "Oh, uh, hey, Chris, I uh, just want to let you know we just traded you." And I was just like, "You, you just called me, like, ask me if I'm ready to come back." And then you just call me and be like, oh, "Okay, yeah, we're going to a different place." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Uh, whatever, man." I was like, "Where, where?" And he told me Missouri Mavericks, and now called Kansas City Mavericks, and I was like, "Jesus, like, where am I headed now?" <laughs> I was like, yeah. Rich Matichuk was the coach. I don't know if you remember him from Dallas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Rich calls me, like, yeah, come on down. So I go down and, um, you know, and I was just pleasantly surprised. Like, it was awesome spot down there. At that that one year, we were, like, terrible team. Uh, we just went down to kind of finish it out, and I knew that, like, when I was going down there. So I went down and played a lot. played, like, 12, 13 games, and then season was done. There was no chance to make the playoffs. But it was just, like, it was a great town. It was, uh, it was actually in Independence, Missouri, which is about one minute from Kansas City. Um, and the rink was, you know, 5,500, 6,000 sold out every night. Wow. And then, you know, you go to Kansas, our owner owned the Chiefs. Our owner wow. was Lamar, our owner mm-hmm. was Lamar Hunt Jr. Lamar Hunt, yeah. Um, and then, so anyways, fast forward to that year, whatever, go back. I spent the summers at PEI at that time. Trained, um, go back. I signed and re-signed in Missouri. Didn't get an AHL out that year, but whatever at that point, go down there. Our team's stacked, like unreal. Have a great, have a good season. Um, we end up like setting a record or tying a record, like something for the most wins, I think, in the regular season. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we just went on a heater the whole year. But great team, like we had. You know, a lot of a couple guys like Carter Verhage's playing on the Florida Panthers now. We had uh, Ross Johnson who plays the Islanders. Tanner Fritz yeah. ended up playing the Islanders. Like couple yeah. like guys who ended up, you know, making a good career out of it. Lots of fun. Eric Nielsen. I don't know if you know him from Fred. Yes. Yes. He was my he was my roommate. He was Crosby's uh, friend in Ramuski. Oh, yeah. No, I'll never forget the time that we're sitting at the table and Crosby calls him and he just ignores the call. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, I was, I'm sitting there. I was like, Neiler, like, Sidney Crosby. And he had him yeah. in the phone as Daryl because that's what they call him, Daryl, right? Um <laughs> So they call, he calls Sidney Crosby Daryl, and he's like, yeah, I was like, I'll call him back. I'm like, what do you mean you'll call him back? I'm like, it's Sidney yeah. fucking Crosby. Like, answer yeah. the phone. And then he had to, like, take the phone because it was me and another guy, and we were just, like, trying to, you know, get him on the phone, right? But no, sure Chris, enough, put the phone in his pocket, never said a word to him. My fuck, give who us, ignores a Sidney Crosby phone call? Yeah, give us some insight, if you can, on why they call him Daryl. Is there any particular reason? Um... You know, remember Mark Tobin, Ramuski? Yes. Yeah, so Mark Tobin's a newfie, too. Um, so it's the crew, it's um, Mark Tobin, Eric Nielsen, um, but a guy who played on St. Thomas, big D-man. He was a captain when I first broke in there. Um, mm-hmm. Name doesn't ring a bell. And yeah, uh, fellow from PEI, I forget his name, too. Um, but anyways, the like, group kind of all came from Ramuski. Um, and mm-hmm. Neeler and Crosby were, or Neeler and, um, 
Mark told me the stands one time, and uh, they're playing exhibition, I think it was, and uh, they're like, "What can we call this kid?" Like, you know, and then like they're watching the game, like they're they're two vets or whatever, and they're watching the game, and he has like, <laughs> I don't know how many points it was, uh, six or seven points there or whatever, and then Mark Tobin, um, it's just like, uh, it's called Daryl. And, and he was like, Daryl? He's like, yeah, like, Daryl Sittler. Remember the guy who had, like, 10 points? And uh, <laughs> so they they uh, call him Daryl anyways and named his stock. They still call him that, these guys. I mean, normally yeah. they're the ones who do. And then, like, I guess a little bit down the road, like, it was probably, like, before Crosby left Ramuski, um, he got a package, like, and I don't know how the word got to him, but it was from Daryl Sittler. And it was a picture of, I don't know if it's from the 10-point game or whatever, and it was and it oh. all just said on it was... All the set on it was to Daryl from Daryl. No. <laughs> yeah. That's a wow. great story. It's a great story. Chris, regarding well, I don't uh, personally can't... know I don't personally know Crosby at all. This is just kinda living through my roommate, but that's yeah. uh, the way she goes apparently. Life in uh, Kansas City and the and the and the late and the team that you said was just stacked was was uh, what would you say would be the percentage of Canadians that were on that team? Actually, that team was probably at the time the most Americans. Like we had, wow, we probably had like four or five who didn't play NCAA. Um, wow. It was all NCAA guys. Hmm. And and in Kansas City in, in in playing that year, would most of your travel still be bus or was there planes involved? Um, we would we flew a lot for the coast, but mostly bus, right? Um, we would fly to, like, say, out, the only place we would, we would fly to Tex Allen, Texas. Like, we could bus there, but we probably flew there five or six times, too. Um, they were in our division. Um, and uh, but, can, can I nerd out? Does the owner give you the Chiefs plane, or is, is it that slick? No, no, no. We were in Southwest <laughs> oh. Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you get the royal treatment? Do you get to see some Chiefs games with that connection? We, got, we, got, we took us to one. Like, I seen, we used to go to uh, Royals games a bit. Probably seen All right. Beautiful. Goals. I actually seen uh, Game Six, the Royals and the Jays in the playoffs. Holy that year. shit! That was my best. Like I like I like you know I'm a hockey guy, but like baseball, I mm-hmm. I love baseball live. Like for some reason, like went to Chiefs and went, went Chiefs and Steelers. I think went and it was great time, good atmosphere, tailgating was fun. But as for games, like I don't know what it is about baseball because it can to some people might seem boring, but like. Sitting at a baseball game and weather's oh. nice, having a couple beers. And that's so, my answer cup of tea. Are, are you one of like five people in the entire stadium with a Jays cap on? Or are you pulling for the Royals in this case? We had, we there was a few, but we had got like people are kind of like giving us the gears too, like but kind of <laughs> a friendly, like not yeah. like not like we're gonna beat the shit out of you, but like kind of like go back to Canada, blah blah blah. Like but they were <laughs> they were having fun with it, so it wasn't like you know it didn't really feel threatened at any point. And what do you say? Take it easy, pal. I play for the Mavericks. Are you hanging that one out? <laughs> I wasn't quite throwing that one out. But uh, <laughs> we were just kind of, you know, we were kind of playing the role a little bit, like kind of giving it back to him a bit, but like, you know, not too much. Just one more question. I, I, I love what goes on in the daily life. But let's say uh, in any of mm. your travels with any team, Chris, did you ever, did you the team you play for ever have a customized bus for uh, for uh, long travel or or customize that the the team owned the bus or was it strictly the run of the mill buses? No, I mean in the our in Kansas City it was our bus it was a sleeper bus it was a piece of shit right but it had oh. beds on it 
Um, <laughs> like, that was motley, but it was great for sleeping. Like it, it bunk beds, it was kind of all the seats would turn into beds, so it was kind of it was kind of nice. We had, like, I mean, we did fly some places, but I remember first year when we when I was really when we were really bad, we drove one night. Uh, we drove to Brampton, so that was the year the, uh, the oh, Central the League folded, yeah. and or the Central League joined the coast. Right. So I went at the tail end of that year. So Brent, so they kept the whole Central League in the same division. So, you know, it was like Kansas City, Texas, uh, Wichita, Tulsa, and then it was Brampton, Ontario. My. So we're going out there. We're playing. We called it the Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. Um, <laughs> it was the, the two last place teams in the entire league, both teams motley. David Ling's playing for Brampton at this time. Beautiful. Uh, and uh so we get the bus and we leave we go whatever it's like 17 hours and then but like there's another two hours probably at the border get there you know 18 19 hours before the or to get to play a game i mean we go we go a couple days before or whatever and then play the games or whatever and it's kind of like no one gives a shit anyways like it doesn't mean anything right then we get the bus back to kansas city and like i'm getting the bus all the way back just to fly back to school because um, I'm in exams or whatever, go back. Oh. By the time we get back to Kansas City, Branson are after finishing a game the next day. Wow. It was, yeah, it was uh, quite the haul. Listen, we like to talk about food a lot too, Chris, and you tell us about the fact that you uh, uh, like pizza, pizza Delight in, in the Maritimes. Uh, um, we, around here this time of year, eat a lot of smelts. Is, that the, is, is smelt a... Uh, a topic of discussion in Newfoundland? Never had one before. There, see. Holy shit. Are you serious? I actually seen Patty's tweet today or the other day, and it was, uh, what you call them, delicious bastards? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I lied. Chocolate tap. But no, I've never had a smell before. Like, I don't really know much You never had a smell the whole time you were here either? No, I think that could be your fault, is it? Owens, I'm disappointed. Absolutely. I mean, we, we had access to the captain back in the days, too. One of the great smelled fishermen, I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. The old cat. Yeah. So, listen, from Kansas City, we're off to Europe. Let's uh, walk through uh, your European tour. First stop, Sekish Fehervar, Hungary. Hungary? Uh, yeah, so it's a Hungarian. So it's about 45 minutes from Budapest, but it's in the Austrian League. Beautiful. So the league has changed a little bit, but at that time, so there was um, Ferrer where I played, and then uh, Balzano, which is in Italy. Um, they're still in the league. There was a Zenoimo, which is in Czech Republic. There was a team in Slovenia, um, Ljubljana. I don't can hardly say it still. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the teams were in Austria. And but yeah, so I went there. Actually, former Titan. Uh, Thomas Beauregard joined us halfway. Wow. I remember he put up, he potted, what, 73? Oh, he Back put up, are you talking in the queue? Yeah. Oh, yes, he was, he was a, uh, oh, my goodness, I can't, uh, it was, it's hard sometimes when you see the success of some players in the queue, and it just doesn't translate for them as they move forward. I, you know, the, you you would have thought at the time he had, big things coming his way and sometimes the the circum well chris you would know this circumstances and or in the wrong place at the wrong time or not in the right place at the right time can change the whole outlook 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and he was just one of the guys. Like, and he was a good guy, too. Like, it was just kind of, you know, I mean, at the time, Nick, I guess he was playing with Matthew Perot and, you know, but yeah. he was still a shooter. Like, when, when I played yeah. with him, he was still a sh- Like, he could shoot, right? Listen, like, let me jump in there, boys. His best year in Bathurst, 69 games, 71 goals, 53 assists, 124 points. How you doing? Yeah, they were a <laughs> tough team then, yeah. yeah so no, listen now, man. Owens, uh, in, in my mind's eye, uh, and I'm no great geography buff, but in my mind's eye, Hungary's <laughs> a beautiful country. Like, you got to see some uh, some of the hot spots of the world here. And Budapest huh. is one of, the, one of the great cities in the world. Budapest is my favorite. Like I've seen quite a few now. Um, Budapest mm. to me is the best city in the world. Like unbelievable. Like everything there, you know, is like Budapest is like Prague on steroids, in my opinion. And Prague is kind of world renowned. Like you know, it's kind of I find here, especially in Canada, you kind of hear it like all oh, Prague, Prague, Prague. Uh, like Budapest is way better than Prague, in my opinion. Really. And like to me, I guess. When I was kind of torn in Budapest, I had a little bit of an unfair advantage, like kind of being with Hungarians and kind of knowing the city and knowing stuff. But uh, beautiful, beautiful city. So from small town Newfoundland and Atlantic Canada, is there, I mean, is your mind blown here? There's got to be a big cultural divide and certainly a language barrier. Yeah, oh yeah, huge language barrier. Um, and But yes, the other stuff too, and like we'd have to, as they make jokes, like, We'd be walking down the street, and they're like, oh, you see that building? I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh, that's older than Canada. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. He's like, no, I'm not probably right. It is older than Canada. <laughs> that's fact. <laughs> that, that, is the, that is the part of that, that, about that area and that part of the world is so historic. That's what I was going to say to you. There's so much history in Budapest and in Hungary and, and in Prague and uh, stuff we've never seen. Yeah, it was really was like Eastern Europe. To, like, and I've kind of been a little bit all over Europe. But Eastern Europe to me is kind of every city, every country has like an amazing place. Like, out of the ones I've been to, like another one we went one year, um, we went to Krakow, Poland. Like, right. And at that time, like, so Auschwitz is close. That was kind of the reason we went there. But we went there and like we were kind of like, oh, okay, like Auschwitz would be cool to check out, which it was. Right. It was mind blowing. But then yes. you go into Krakow and you're like, wow, like this place is unbelievable. Chris, how it, it, and, and uh, you you say about going to different places and and uh, uh, cities you've been in in the United States and now over in Europe, is there an agency that finds this? Is there an agent that finds you these places to play? Yeah, well, I had um, my first stop in Europe. Kind of came from so I don't know if you know the name Dom McAdam. Yes. Yes. From from PEI. So. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Don ended up turning into a really good family friend of mine. Um, me and him did some hockey schools in Newfoundland, kind of while I was in university. Um, and his wife now is like my best friend's mom. Okay. Um, so that kind of happened like around my like 18, 19 year old year and junior or whatever. So that's when I kind of got to got to know Don. Went to Acadia, started kind of connecting with him more. We did the hockey schools and stuff, and then I ended up going to. Like it, um, Tyler Dietrich, who played at UNB, is the uh-huh. coach of Fehervar in uh, oh. in Hungary, and so kind of Don makes that connection. So I ended up, like you know, kind of worked out, went there. Tyler's the coach at the start. Um, he ended up a month in taking a job with Hockey Canada, um, which anyone would have done at the time. But sure. um, so then, like kind of, so Don set up the first one, and then after that, when I was kind of, I didn't, I like, had an okay year, but it wasn't great. And, uh, but I wanted to kind of see a little bit more what's out there. Like, so I kind of connected with the German agent. Um, so I had, 
a guy kind of hooked me up with this with this guy's name Gunter Oswald, and he was kind of more heavily connected in German and Austrian leagues. And then um, he set me up with uh, a team in uh, in Germany and spent two years here and then another year in Germany. Well, see, that's interesting stuff. And so that that agent would negotiate for you not only for uh, 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 what salary you'd get paid, but do they also uh, 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 act as your on your behalf on where you're going to stay if you have something to drive, that sort of thing? Yes and no, a little bit, but not really. Like they'll, like sometimes they'll try to pull the wool over your eyes, but for the most part, most part, it's like a lot of stuff is standard. So when okay. like um, typically your flights are paid for, um, your apartment's paid for, your car, stuff like that. So oh, great. Kind of nothing to worry about anywhere you go. You always live on your own, um, so you don't have a roommate or anything. Um, mm. And that's kind of depending on the league. I think like some of the lower, like you know, I wasn't in the top leagues, but I was kind of mid level. I would say. If you're lower, like, you know, you might have a roommate or something or might share a car, but for, for everywhere I was, um, you kind of had all that provided. And that was standard. So when, when I was negotiating with, like, after my first my first contract, I was kind of like, oh, do I get this? Do I get that? Asking kind of too many questions. Yeah. But then after that, it was just like, well, I'm like, that was never brought up, right? Like, I knew that that's, that was part of it, regardless. Interesting, yes. So through Hungary, Germany, and then uh, ending in Slovakia, um, for Jerry and I's purposes, uh, give us a comparison. Is this comparable to East Coast level or a step ahead or a step behind or somewhere yeah, in between? Yeah, the um, Hungary, Austrian League, so where I was in Hungary, um, I would say that's a little bit better. That's better than the coast. Um, more high-end talent, but then the coast always had, like, the coast is more balanced, right? So the same with all the teams, in, like, even, like, in Germany, too. Um the, the higher-end talent was probably in the um, in Europe, but then you would have, like, we would always have young kids playing. So, like, in Hungary, we'd have three or four kids that were, like, they're junior kids, essentially, playing on the fourth line and stuff like that. So it kind of watered down a little bit. But your top-end talent was, like, you know, a lot of guys with a lot of AHL experience and stuff. But were there all the ice services European size? Were there were any North American or all the big size? No, they're all big. Yeah, was, like some were like a little bit bigger than others, but for the most part, they were all big. Yeah. So the pro, like the the top leagues I played in would have been the Hungary, like the Austrian league, and then the Slovakian. Um, at the tail end, the the second league of Germany is still a good league, but that was kind of a step down, I guess, not a full like a half a step down, maybe. So Chris, I can hear it in your voice that you loved every minute of your European tour. Um, you said you're kind of in a state of semi-retirement. Are you are you are you ready to put it all in the rearview mirror? And what's next for you in the hockey circles? If it is in the rearview mirror, or is coaching in the forecast, or what's next? No, I mean I think it's done for like honestly, uh, like you know a lot of people this year, like a lot of people have dealt with a lot of blows this year and just a lot of uncertainties. And yeah, yeah. That's kind of what probably took me out of the game. If it wasn't for that, you know, there probably would have been another year or two. But it was just mm-hmm. kind of. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not 19 anymore. Um, you know, 31 got bills to pay, and uh, yep. so I was just kind of sitting there and waiting. And the uncertainty kind of turned me away from really wanting to go back overseas this year. Um, I had I was lucky enough to have my girlfriend over for a few months last year, but she's kind of she's a nurse, and then she's like doing her uh, nurse practitioner program, so she's a little tied up. Probably this year mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to make it over, and especially with the travel restrictions and stuff like that. So I kind of. You know, it was about mid July, and I was like, you know what, I think, uh, I think this is it. Not to say it's it's for you or not, but uh, the senior league's still thriving over there in Newfoundland, isn't it? 
Oh, come on. Uh, Herder, look, Herder Cup, baby. <laughs> the Herder, yeah. Currently, it's not. So, um, not right. this year. No. Because they never had, like, you know, I'm sure it'll probably, they'll probably try and get it back on the go next year. And then, yeah, that's something I'll think about. Is, uh, just so, people that, love the, the Senior League over there, don't they? They love the Senior yeah. League. Yeah, no, they do. Um, from what, like, I mean, again, like I was kind of away for the kind of the heyday years of it, right? Like, you know, like guys, like, right. I don't know if you remember. Well, you definitely remember like Justin Barber, Stephen Pearson, those guys mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. came back and played for a few years. Gil was playing for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just uh, like the, like it's kind of not at that level, I don't think, right now is what it was then. But it's still, I right. think, I think it's still be a pretty good league. Some um, of the boys were uh, challenging for the Allen Cup, too, as I recall. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, they always kind of iced pretty good team. Like it was a good league. There's no question. They always had a lot of top players playing. Guys who come from university and play, or even you get a couple pro guys and play. Um, so mm. yeah, I mean, if that gets back on the go next year, I guess we'll see. But other than that, I'm kind of this first year back is just kind of nice to be home, see family, friends all the time. With not out like besides work, without any other things yeah. I had to do. You know, so it was kind of a refreshing a little bit but like i've been coaching hockey uh privately uh, i don't know if you uh-huh. remember patty yetman played with played with the wildcats yeah mm-hmm. yeah so patty runs his own patty has a rink and runs his own hockey school so i've been helping him out and uh i train a peewee team at the gym but that all got shut down um yeah a couple weeks ago because of covid but can, can we no, go back to good. patty can, can we go back to patty Edmund? you say he has his own rink he does yeah jesus like yeah, an actual full size rink. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, brother, wow. it used to be called Brother O'Hare Arena, and now it's Yetman's Arena. Um, <laughs> yeah, full size rink. Grew up playing oh. minor hockey in it. Are you kidding me? He owns a oh. rink. He owns a rink. Kind of resembles the Civic Center a little bit. Doesn't have the stands and stuff, but actually more of an LBA. LBA stuff. <laughs> well, you remember the LBA, do you? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, let's circle back and we'll uh, we'll finish where we started with you, uh, Chris. Just uh, throw us a few memories of uh, Miramichi and uh, refresh us on where you live. Maybe get a little shout out to some of the folks you live with here while you were over in Miramichi. Yeah, no, Miramichi was awesome. So I started. I lived with uh, Kathy Flieger. I haven't talked to her in a long time, um, mm-hmm. and I lived with uh, Jen and Terry Cleghorn. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Yes. Awesome people, yeah. And I actually I lived with um, I lived with Paula Wood, um, right? And the Opera House and was here. A lot of great here. memories. The Opera House is still running when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you miss a feed of Dixie Lee chicken? Oh, Dixie Lee was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else is going on? I'm trying to think now. It's kind of all kind of popped into memory. Like going over watching the Ironmen play, and I seen uh, after that they went on and won nationals there a couple years ago. Come on, oh. six and zero. Oh, how you doing? Yes, Defend, defending champs. They're still the defending champs, Patty. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I went to MDHS for a year, and uh, who did I have there? Chris Keating, Nick Cooling. Oh yes, Josh okay. Tucker. A lot of guys. <laughs> all same class. There's a real. There's a real cast of lunatics for you. <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, it's great. I'm coming on 45. Jerry's got a few years on me, and I'm sure I'm Jerry. You'll agree, but it's interesting to reconnect, Owens, because in a really strange way. And if this comes out all weird, I'll apologize, and I'm not going full fanboy here. But you know, you were here for four years, and I feel like I, we watch you grow up here in, in, in a strange way. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was kind of where I kind of, you know, it made me believe that, you know, I could do a little bit more with this. And, you know, it was kind of where I did grow Like, you know, I learned a lot just from there. It was my first time living on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, we had billets and stuff, but away from my parents, I guess. And it was just sure. kind of, you learn a lot of different things, right? And, no, it was, uh, yeah, it's definitely it's where it all started. All right, Chris, we've taken up a lot of your time here tonight. Jerry, anything else you want to jump in here on? No, no, good. It's, it was great to reconnect, and uh, a couple of, uh, a lot of great Newfoundlanders came to play on the on the Timberwolves, but uh, no oh. better than, than Chris Owens and, and, uh, and Todd Gill, I would think, would be the two highlights for me. But there was a number of great players that came, came from Newfoundland that wore a Timberwolf jersey. Andre Gill, not Todd Gill. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Chump. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Chris, it's great to have some of your time. Before we let you go, the final word is yours, my friend. All right, guys. No, yeah, it was great. It's, uh, glad you reached out. It's nice to get on for a chat. And, uh, yeah, like I said, everything, you know, she was nothing but great memories for me and uh, got to meet guys like you along the way. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of things you remember about the towns is kind of the people you meet and stuff. So, uh I'm grateful for that, and uh, grateful for your, for your guys' time here tonight. So, yeah, keep it rolling. It was awesome. I'm going to have to listen a little bit more. All right, you're on the Newfoundland Street team. Share this away for us. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank take you. care. Yep, take you care. Know. Bye. All right, nice to have some of Chris Owens this time, Jerry. How about that? Holy smokes. Well, that's uh, that's uh, uh, quite a way to start our uh, our. Uh, a new feature, I guess, uh, on the mm. podcast of being able to have you and me and somebody else on with us, of which, you know, is a challenge because I'm not in the studio with you. So it's really a, an extra technological challenge for you. And, and I tip your hat for doing that. And, and then, you know, once you and I get back in, we're, we're determined to have all kinds of folks on with us. So, you know, we can look forward to that. Patrick Yetman, let's go back to what Chris said. I'm still a little bit mind boggled and fascinated that he owns his own rink. I, I'm just thinking of here in town. Well, th- but think about it. Think of all the money and all the okay. maintenance and, and the power bills uh, that you right. have to go through to to keep an LBA going or a civic center going, and that's on one guy and uh, his obviously business partners. If there should be such a thing, I just find that wildly fascinating. Well, wasn't it uh, somewhat uh, discussed that if if the uh, city of Miramichi ever does get a new rink, that the LBA would be up for sale type of thing. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be true? And then that would be oh. the opportunity for somebody to buy a facility and keep it going and, you know, whatever yeah, the case but, okay, may be. Okay, should that be the case, I would, I would be more inclined to suggest that rather than private ownership, it would be more a group. I, I do know at one point in time, and maybe I'm way off base here and I'm misremembering, but... I think there was a movement afoot when the wellness center, as they call it, was hot and heavy, that the soccer association was kind of looking at an indoor facility, and they would be handed right. off to them the, the keys to that kingdom. But again, I mean, if the LBA goes up for sale tomorrow, I mean, the chances of you and I going half and half in that are slim to none. <laughs> and Patrick Yetman, I remember him playing with the with the with the Wildcats uh, uh, back in the day, but I don't know where his pro career went from that point on, and. If you, you know, accumulated some wealth to be able to, like you say, it's not easy to, well, number one, to buy the facility, maybe gets it for a low price. But, yes, the cost of maintenance uh, is is nothing to sneeze at. All right, Jerry, so maybe we'll do another five, ten minutes here and uh, we'll uh, put a cap on episode 24. Um, but, uh, you know, Maritime Hockey League, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League has been a central focus of uh, the run since we uh, started. 
Um, Maritime Hockey League, uh, from my perspective, uh, Nova Scotia and uh, Summerside running pure. Things are still at a standstill in New Brunswick, including the Miramichi Timberwolves. Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, as we had said, uh, Sydney, sorry, Cape Breton, Sydney, call it what you want, Halifax and Charlottetown are running pure. And there is some movements afoot here as we move forward to get the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League going. But uh, you know where I stand on this. What about you? Well, just, you know, uh, uh, I think they're trying. And uh, um, I would like it to be, you know, three New Brunswick teams playing again, be it uh, MHL or Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Patty, there's just, you know, and I express it to you many times, just such a void. You know, so many things we're lacking in our lives, you know, mm-hmm. that we can't do anymore or mm-hmm. haven't been able to do. I don't think can't do anymore, but, you know, and the, and the, and uh, whether it is to go for coffee with somebody, to, to go to a movie, to go to a, a concert, to go to a, see a comedian, go see anybody and, and, or go to a, a hockey game. I, I just, if, if it's me, selfish me, I would like to see uh, uh, something for, for us to look forward to and or to do. So, you know, I'm pulling for it to happen, be it for the Q or the NHL. Well, for sure. And I'm still pulling for it too. Uh, Believe me, I I need a rink outing in my life, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, And I hate to be the the bearer of bad news. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and and just like uh, Owens had said about what's going on in Newfoundland and and a response or a, a report I heard today and, as he said, everything was going so smoothly over there. They're saying that most of, you know, whatever was the, the outbreak over there came from a super spreader event. He said they were they were having big, uh, the reports were they were having big uh, events over there that uh, people were attending. And, and, of course, something happened. It would have to be travel-related um, that, that has them in the condition they're in now. I think there was 44 more uh, cases and they don't know if it's the variant or the or COVID nineteen or not, but uh, they're in a, they're in a serious way. And how quickly that can happen—that's the scary part about it—is how quickly it can happen, and and how how you know Newfoundland was not even in discussion. They were like PEI, like PEI has one or two every now and then, and that's it. You don't hear anything else. And you know that was that was the shocking thing about it all, and how quickly it can change. But the interesting thing that I noticed tonight. Um, of course, I like to watch the, the ATV or CTV news with uh, Steve Murphy. And interesting that, you know, they had, you know, Dr. Strang on again and how uh, he's become um, just like uh, Jennifer Russell has become a regular uh, celebrity is not the word, but you, you, you see them every night. They're familiar in your home every night. And how Jennifer has been in New Brunswick has been a sense of or a source of 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 confidence and or uh, admiration and and Dr. Strang has been doing the same thing and if he, and and I, it's well documented Dr. Strang has a cleft palate and how he's been very uh, inspirational for for kids that have seen him that he here he is a doctor and a spokesman for the province and has lived through having having that surgery, you know mm. that's 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 stuff that uh, because you see him every day, and and again you see him and Jennifer, and you just know whatever's coming out of their mouth is is truth and factual, and it keeps you calm. and And I think both of them should be certainly admired and or acknowledged for the continuing work that they do. And with that, uh, way off topic, uh, what are you grinding out? Uh, any uh, series on uh, keeping you occupied? Well, you know what I found. Mm. Um, 
lately, Patty, it, uh, it's a it's a series that's been around, but um, I never tapped into it until recently. Billy Bob Thornton is in the first season. I think there's three seasons. Of this. It's Fargo. You know, I've seen the movie Fargo, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, folks, you, t- you tune this in, and it is out there. And it, it, I'm just about wrapping up the first season, and I've been entertained through the whole thing. It's, it's, it has. Have you seen the movie Fargo, Patty? Hundred percent. I've never watched the series though. And that's what I thought. I thought, mm-hmm. ah, the series is just going to be just like the. How can they make a series out of that? T, out of that movie? Well, they mm-hmm. have, and mm-hmm. it is very interesting. And I love the 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 Minnesota atmosphere of it all and the, and the outdoor yeah. and the cold outdoors and how people dealing with the cold weather i find that uh, you know uh, i can uh, uh, relate to so but uh, great series and and i can't wait to see the end i'm just a couple episodes away from the the end of the season and then there's two more seasons and i have no idea what they're going to be about i've ripped through wentworth uh, I've ripped through better call saul i'm on the cusp of finishing yeah. shameless uh, I'm, i look at i i may have hit the end of Netflix and have to turn back around here before this is over. Yeah. <laughs> I've <laughs> I've nearly blinded myself staring at my tablet, and that's not well, even a joke. Sometimes do you do you, do you go on on Netflix and uh, see what else you can find, and there's so much there, but there's then there's so much that's not there. I mean, you well, can look through it, and it's just like, no, I'm never going to watch that. Never going to watch mm-hmm. that. Never going to watch it. When it comes to a movie, sometimes you just like to sit down with a movie instead yep. of having a series. And yep. you start looking, and sometimes, for instance, I'll go back to uh, a movie that I love um, that I've seen numerous times, uh, No Country for Old Men. And yeah. I went back and watched that again, and it's still entertaining. And then, and then you, it's a – is that a Coen's Brothers? That's a Coen Brothers, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So then it, it shows you movies that relate or that are similar to that, and then I start oh, maybe yeah. picking through those. So yeah, um, and then I watched that again the other night, and it was it's still good. It, well, yeah. it will always be good, but I, I I love watching that movie. Netflix kills me. Like I'll use your No Country for Old Men reference. Then it says, "Hey, if you like this, you might like this." And then all right. of a sudden, you look out the window, and it's the following Thursday, and you have no idea what happened yeah. to yourself. <laughs> There was listen. There was a commercial I saw the other day that reminded me of you. Now this is really, and the reason it does is because it's a commercial for non-alcoholic beer, right? And it's a it's a Heineken commercial. I'm a fan. And the guy, the guy's on the uh, boardwalk of let's say Venice Beach, and he's got his convertible, and he's got his Heineken beer. And he's mm-hmm. snapping it back and doesn't the police pull up behind him. And now there's no words spoken here. There's just some music going. Right. And the police officer comes up with his, you know, his aviator glasses on. And he looks just like a, uh, you know, a highway patrolman. And he starts writing a ticket. And the guy sitting in the convertible then holds up the Heineken showing that it's zero percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the cop points to the no parking sign. That's why he was giving him a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried the Heineken Zeros? Oh, yeah, I've treated you to a few at the Civic Center. Well, the, yes. Look, at, I, I, I've, uh, you've kind of got me on the fact that, you know, I do love the taste of beer, and, and that's yeah. something I've been missing lately. And I've been, oddly enough, when I go grocery shopping, and I'll pick up, uh, uh, I picked up a Maritime Brewery uh, uh, ale. that and I'll just grab selected ones, but I love it. You know how I love an ale. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a book on you. Jerry yeah, loves an ale. Book. I love yeah. an ale rather than a lager. 
and yeah. uh, had one the other night for for supper, and I thought, geez, this is really, really uh, something I miss is just to mm-hmm. to be out and have a one right out of the you know right out of the tap is what I'd like to do, but you can't mm-hmm. go anywhere. Well, you can go somewhere and get something out of the tap, but. And a little reference to Jerry's story on that commercial. Uh, I, I'm a non uh, I'm a non drinker, uh, so I, I do enjoy the Heine Zeros right now. I'm, I'm on them heavy. And Patty doesn't, you know, not drink alcohol because he can't, you know, control himself when he's on alcohol <laughs> because he physically no, it's it's an ailment. No, that it's, I think there should be I think some reference dated, some reference yeah. there, but it's not like Patty's, you know. A reformed yeah. alcoholic or anything. No, it's no. Just that he, no, no. He physically cannot drink alcohol. I got tested for it many moons ago. It's been since 2008, Jerry, I do believe, since I've right. uh, had a, a proper cocktail. Because you and I used to enjoy a, a, a drink on a Saturday night. And, no, well, we're not giving away any secrets here at a Timberwolves mm-hmm. game and, and, you know, have a good time. and, and Or uh, on, a, on a Thursday night at Ironman Field. How you doing? Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Mm. So. And the other thing that interested me <laughs> the other the other day, and again, it was a commercial. I don't know, and I look at. I do not like commercials. I tape as many shows that I, that I'm going to watch, and I make sure I fast forward commercials. I have no time for commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these two stood out for me. Not of the Heineken one, but there's another commercial if you've ever seen it. Um, uh, son and his and his mother are on a bus, and he's got this Cadbury chocolate bar. And he wants to open it, and she says no. And he looks over his shoulder, and there's a girl next to him who's uh, got her head in her hands, and she's crying. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this commercial? No. There's no word spoken. Uh, the young the young man, and he's probably, uh, I would say, seven or eight years old, looks over and sees that she's crying. And she looks and sees that he sees her crying, and he wants to offer her a piece of his chocolate bar to cheer her up. Anyways, he does make her smile, and she doesn't take a piece of the chocolate bar, and then the mother leans over and says, go ahead, you can have a bite. Oh. And, it, and there's no word spoken except that, and it's very subtle language at the end of it. If you've ever seen it, it's a very good commercial, and they run it a lot. And it, it, mm-hmm. it, uh, there's no script whatsoever. It's just all expression and all eye contact. And, again, it kind of takes me back to, you know, what we don't see anymore. We wear masks all the time. You don't. I said this to somebody today. You know, I was I was in the line at Sobeys today, Patty, and I don't know if you know, there's a Jennifer, um, I don't know Jennifer's last name. I should know her last name. She's a nice girl, and she's been at Sobeys for a long time. Mm-hmm. Anytime I, I go to one of the tellers or the one of the, 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 the cashiers, I go mm-hmm. to hers because we mm-hmm. have a little bit of banter. So I was putting my stuff on the, uh, on the conveyor belt with the bag, the reusable bag that I have. And mm-hmm. I said to her, and I want to make sure, uh, and make sure I said, you get everything in that bag. And there was a lady that was doing her debit, and I, I had a sense that she was looking at me strangely. But I was laughing, you know, I had a smile on my face when I said it. And Jennifer knows me, and, and it wasn't oh. like uh, I was being mean. <laughs> but, but because I, of I, the mask, you think right, the lady thinks you're a mask, dick? <laughs> I sensed that she thought I was being very rude to her. And so I sensed this right away. Yeah. And made a, another comment, and then it kind of broke the ice a little bit. But this is what this mask stuff does. You yeah. don't get to see people's faces. And that's why I found this Cadbury commercial so interesting that it's all facial stuff, and it's all people just expressing themselves with their eyes and with their mouth and without having to say a thing. I was down at Mike's Bar and Grill. Uh, this is another mask story for you, and then we'll uh, wrap it up here. I was down at Mike's Bar and Grill all within the last week or so. 
and uh, dove into a pan of the old uh, noon hour nachos. Mm-hmm. And I got a little uh, voracious, I guess, with the salsa. And when I got home, so this is, say, this is 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Patty. I get home around 6 o'clock, take my mask off, and don't I have salsa all over one of my cheeks? <laughs> and, I, well, <laughs> and then I thought, how many times, you know, did I take the mask off and no one bothered to tell me that I had salsa all over me, fat face, but <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I can see I had, it. Yeah, I had it all on my face for about six or seven hours. Yeah, yeah, so you're I was, walking around saying those dodges were good at lunchtime. I can still smell them. Yeah, and every, yeah I know. Everyone's going looking fatted over there covered in salt and no one bothered to tell me. All right, anyways, thanks for listening to episode 24. Give us a like, give us a share, spread the word if you wouldn't mind. Creative Grounds, thanks to Victor Jody and Trenton and the rest of the gang here at uh, both Creative Grounds and Eastside Creative Center. Stop by for a hot beverage and a treat the next time you're on the go. Good for now? Yeah, I knew you'd get a food story before we wrapped up. Yeah, well done. Very good. Take care. Yeah, you too.